0: Welcome to episode 16 of Our Weekends Booked. I'm Brielle. And I'm Kate. And this week we discuss Whale Shark, Part Shark, Part Orca, All Killer, a creature horror novel. Our discussion is actually with author Mark Demian. All right, Mark. Well, thank you for being here with us today. Um, Typically, to we don't you know, read books in this genre, but we actually really liked this book. So if you don't mind first to start off, can you tell us about yourself and um what got you into writing?
1: Oh, uh, yeah, sure. So um I I'm a a graduate of Rutgers uh, University and uh, I went into teaching with my lovely psychology degree because there's so much to do with a bachelor's of psych. Um and uh, as part of it, I just I, I became a language arts teacher um, which was you know, jokingly the worst subject of my whole academic career but then i actually decided that being that being my worst subject made me a better teacher of it um and a lot of what happens with my writing started off with me giving uh writing prompts writing um assignments to students who then in turn challenged me to write back so that got me to writing my first novel which was a, a children's novel about superheroes with reference book powers and uh I've I've always been into writing as a kid. I would write short story after short story. And then uh, like when I was in college, I, I remember just like being my, my, my favorite times about being on vacations. And this is just goes to tell you about the psychology of me is laying on the beach, staring out the open water and then reading a book about giant monsters, eating people really relaxes me. I don't know why it just does <laughs> Um, I've always been a fan of like Steve Alton and Jeremy Robinson and uh, Peter Benchley. And Uh, I just remember one day, God, about maybe eight years ago, I sat down and I wrote what turned out to be like the prologue of this book. And then I shelved it. I shelved it for a very, very, very long time. Um, The pandemic rolled around and I taught from a computer. And I remember a couple of times I just, I made students just have class periods where it was like, all right, guys, you're going to do nothing but quietly write about whatever you want for 40 minutes. And that gave me opportunity to add a little more here and add a little more there. And it was it was nothing, anything more than just a passion project. And then, horrifically, in uh, December of 2021, I literally was carrying my daughter to bed. When I stepped down, I heard this crunching sound and realized that I had, like, basically broken my foot. Oh, my gosh, and I, man. <laughs> I, I couldn't go anywhere. I spent three months on a couch. I literally slept on the couch every night and everything else. And my brother, uh, who is also an author, called me. He's like, hey, you know that shark story you started a long time ago? I was like, vaguely, he's like... I got a publisher who's interested in shark stories. So he he connected me on a zoom call and they're like, yeah, if you actually finish this, we'll take it. And I was like, well, I'm on a couch. I got nowhere else to go. Might as well try to knock this out and the rest is a novel. Wow.
0: That's so cool. Yeah. That's really interesting. You don't, you don't hear about like actual people, like, you know, getting their start
2: like that. Yeah. From the process of it. I mean, I, I I love that you say like when you're sitting on the beach, it relaxes you to read stories like that because like sometimes you need that something different just to kind of distract your mind and put you in a different place. So that's kind of cool. Exactly. So okay, that being said, you kind of told us how you got into writing this book. What was your inspiration for the plot of this book?
1: Uh, like I said, I've I've read a lot of books similar in nature to this about the giant monsters, and I will just I, I was just it was like Martin Luther King day one day, It was like as far away as beach time as you could possibly get. And I was like, how come like, cause you, I used to watch some really awful TV movies on the sci-fi channel Mm -hmm. where they would have like robot sharks and alien sharks and like uh, sand sharks. I was like, they never did one where they mix like a shark and a killer whale. It just, it seems like it writes itself. And I was like, or I could write that. Yeah. And that became the basic premise behind it. When I first sat down to begin reading it, I had no idea of an endgame. Like I said, I had a prologue. And I was like, hey, this guy's pretty cool. I can leave it at that. And and then that was that.
2: <laughs> I mean, I was telling Brielle when we were talking about the book earlier, it really brought kind of brought me back to my childhood. Because as I was reading about the monster and the chaos that started to happen, it kind of like gave me vibes about like Jaws. Like yes. that same feeling when I saw Jaws, and I was like, I
0: really like this. Yeah, Jaws, and definitely like with playing God, like um, Jurassic Park vibes. So you kind of like touched on like Peter Benchley and Michael Crichton, you know, and that was that was awesome because we we typically don't read books like that, so something different.
1: Mm-hmm. Those were two of my clear inspirations. Uh, Jaws is still, to this day, one of my favorite movies of all time, and I love Jurassic Park as well. And um, just just calling behind my own experiences, because I, I grew up down the shore, so a lot of the things that these people talk about and memories they have and experiences they did were things that my, me and my friends and my family had all lived through, and I just made them part of the story. I
2: love that. So, So, so were some of your characters actually inspired by people in your life?
1: ironically with the exception of the main character who as the story explains to you, is an homage to peter benchley himself um all the other main characters are the names of my friends so i've named them after every like uh, morgan patronus uh i'm sorry morgan velasquez is a um a- amalgamation of morgan patronus co-teacher of mine and uh neilani velasquez another co-teacher of mine merged into one person so all those characters that you see throughout the novel are actually people I know in real life and who I paid tribute to by putting them into a story.
0: So I caught that because um Tony the flounder flunder, I told
2: <laughs>
0: <he>. <laughs> I was like, that is Anthony Flunder. Like and, and he was like we were friends like in school for our listeners. Mark and I actually know each other. We went to school together. So I picked that up, and I was wondering if you made him a hero because of like some of the things that he went through in real life.
1: Uh, absolutely, and he also lives two doors down from me, which was an easy inspiration. Oh,
0: that's awesome! <laughs> I did not know that.
1: <laughs> um, so I, I've I've caught up with him. His daughter and my daughter go to the same school together, so uh, we see each other a lot at the at the bus stop. And he tells me a lot of the things that he's he's lived a very. Difficult life, and he's come through on the other side. And you know, I'm I'm very proud of him, very happy for everything he's done. So I was like, you know what? I mean, wh- what better of a guy to be a seat captain than the guy in high school we called Flounder? So <laughs> yeah, oh, that's
2: awesome. I love that. That's so cool. Well, on picking off of that same topic that we're talking about, who would you say was your favorite character to write in
1: this book? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I did like Bench. Um, I tried not to base bench off of me, but there were parts of Bench that were were me. The 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 stupid, crazy um movie lines here and there. That's something that I know myself to be. Um I, I I the the random trivia of things that you didn't know, like seagulls dropping shells onto decks and stuff like that. I love dropping those into things. So writing bench, even though he wasn't me, it was me. Um but Outside of that, I really kind of liked being Howard Mathis, too. Just to, like, dip into that, what is the darkest part of my soul? What can I do? How would I react if I did have a god, god complex? Which I swear I don't, I swear.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Nobody does, right? Nobody Of course not. That's funny, because so I had asked Brielle that same question when we were talking about it. And I had originally said that Bench was my favorite character. But I was like, you know, I think about it. Maybe I do like Dr. Mathis because sometimes the villain in the story is one of the better the be- characters. Yeah, the best character.
0: Yeah. I mean, I liked Morgan just because I think that would be awesome to, like, train sea life. And, you know, she lives like this on an island. And, you know, I for a time period, I wanted to be like a marine biologist. So that's, you know, okay. kind of similar. Right. And I was like, and then she's a badass, too, because she, like, fights this monster. And who wouldn't want to do that?
1: Exactly. That was one of my goals was to make a badass female protagonist one that um and and, and you've gone on and continued to read the stories uh beyond the first book where I, I wanted her to be someone who wasn't defined by the men around her, but someone who could hold her own.
0: Yeah, and we appreciate that because when we read books, we always look for that like strong feminine lead. And like what she contributes and how she is like outsmarting the men or, you know, how she's taking over. So thank you for that. It definitely gets
2: old when you read a lot of fantasy stuff, when nine times out of 10, the female character plays the damsel in distress and you're like, okay, that's getting old. Give me something better. Yeah.
1: I, I, I recognize that there is a time and a need for that damsel in distress, but I also recognize there's a time and need where that guy could be that damsel in distress. Um, but I, I also, if you go on to that second book that like we said I also had a goal of creating Strong LGBT characters as well Because I wanted them to be represented as well So
0: That's awesome,
2: yeah Way to give, like, you know
0: Inclusivity
2: to everybody, yeah. yeah Because a lot of authors miss that mark, I feel like And then they end up offending a lot of their readers So I think it's awesome that you kind of Include everybody from every walk of life In your
1: books oh, I appreciate that And I like I, I set out to make what I, what I was hoping were believable characters. I think that clearly the the animals that I've incorporated are not believable so I knew that I had to go forward and make those the human characters believable enough. Um, I really, mean, don't,
2: don't discredit yourself, Mark. <laughs> I, in my mind, I was like, half killer whale, half shark, it could work. Biologically, it could work. But when you get to that part of the book where the two sides of the brain are kind of fighting itself... Then I was like, okay, well, maybe maybe it couldn't
0: work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but you also don't discredit like no, I loved the, it or the military.
2: Yeah, yeah, you no, know, sure.
0: don't sleep on them because they probably are working on some things like this. I would not put it past
1: them. I I would expect every day a knock to be on my door like what 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 are you writing about? What you, who who have you spoken to? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right?
2: you're gonna have to come with us, sir.
1: <laughs> um that uh, also speaking of characters the, the admiral freeman i uh, th- loosely based on that as well because um there there's a, a one of my first ever students when i started teaching 18 years ago um i made a connection with and uh, unfortunately in the years i've known her both her parents have passed away so i am like the lone semi-parental um figure in her life so I, I saw that nathan freeman character being that type of person who even though Morgan wasn't his daughter, he really wanted to make sure that she had everything she needed, that that was his, it was his lone connection to the world outside of the military. So um, that was another great character. I liked writing as well. Sorry. I had to backtrack on that one. (laughs) Oh
2: no, I love that. That's awesome. And I'm sure that that girl's very happy to have you in her life because, you know, losing your parents is one of the hardest things you can go through. So that's awesome. He was, he was one of my favorite characters as well, because of what you said, it seemed like he was kind of a loner and, only had Morgan as his outlet as family.
1: So I like that. Uh, When I first started writing all of these characters, I had no idea where I was going with them. And as I was writing them, they would develop. I'm like, oh, wait, if I connected this dot to that one there and made more sense with that there. So uh, that was one of my more intriguing things to do because I don't think when I first started, because when you start reading the first two chapters, you have no idea that, like, it just seems that Freeman is just a character who... Is all military, and I was like, "What if I made him like the uncle to Morgan?" Yes, so like that was. I, I developed the characters for myself as the readers are essentially reading them. So,
2: so what would you say your writing process is like? Do you just get an idea and then sit down, a piece of paper, and kind of like do an outline, or what are your, what are the steps that you take when you come up with a new idea?
1: It's so funny you mention this because um currently my brother and I have decided to collaborate on something which is going to um, bring in characters from this novel series with characters from one of his novel series. And he sat down, he sent me this list of like an outline of what's going to happen in this chapter and what's going to be here. And he has the entire book like outlined. I'm like, is this, this how you write? He's like, yeah, normally this is what I do. I was like, yeah, I just sit down and whatever comes out, comes out. Yeah, <laughs> have, like, yeah it's kind of like, I, I get in the zone, like I'll start with an idea And the next thing I know I got 2,000 words I'm Like, oh, did not see that happen Like, I I don't even plan a chapter I am like, that sounds like that should be the end of a chapter And I'll end there, and then go on to another thing Or, as sadly as it sounds, being a parent Like, sometimes it's like, hey, I'm out of time to write Because it's time to run someone to softball practice So that's the end of that chapter <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah, I was going to ask Like, since you do have, like, a full-time job and you're a father and husband as well, do you set aside like a certain amount of time per day or per week? Or is it just like you just, you know, do it as it'll fit into your life?
1: It's absolutely just, where can I fit 10 minutes at like 10 minutes here, five minutes there. Um, I'll find 10 minutes of a prep period. I'll add stuff there. I find ironically, um, the best time to write. And I've told this to my bosses, so I don't really care if they hear this or not, but, uh, when we have professional development meetings, when they're telling us all about how you should teach and blah, 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 I'm knocking out chapter after chapter when I'm at these meetings, just firing away, not even paying attention to anything they are saying.
2: <laughs> hey, you gotta do what you gotta do, right? Yeah. exactly.
1: <laughs> Time management is what it comes down to.
2: So since you are a teacher, this is a good question. I think that would be perfect for you. And you have your students write a lot of stuff. What, in your opinion, makes a good story?
1: A good story. So I always explain this to my students. So The the number one rule is that it's not what makes a good story. It's more like what makes a good writer. Good writers make good stories. If you have interest in what you are writing, if you have passion in what you're writing, uh, a good writer is going to put that in their story. If you are not passionate about what you're writing, it doesn't matter how great of a writer you actually are. Your story is going to be bland and boring. If you're not passionate enough to write it, no one's going to be passionate enough to read it. No one's going to be like, oh my God, this is a life-changing event for something that you just sat down and just like threw up on a a keyboard to just get done. A good story doesn't necessarily involve, it has to check this box, this box, this box. A good story wants to be written. It has to be written. If it's written for the sake of writing, it's usually bland. It's usually something that, you can just tell the author just phoned this one in. Oh, I, I had ten minutes, so I threw this together. So that's what to me makes a good story. And I explain that to my students all the time. If you're not having fun writing it, no one's going to have fun reading it.
2: Yeah, that's
0: a really good way to look at it. Yeah. Is there any part of the book in your writing process like that you find is the hardest to write?
1: Uh, climactic ends because I sat down to write the end. I was like, okay, I just I need like. 5,000 words and I'm done this next thing you know I did 5,000 words like haven't even started the climax yet so that's how just come on get so you get to the point where you just want to like you want it to end but another great idea pops up and then another great idea pops up and you're like where how the hell am I gonna end
0: this is that like the most fun for you though is like wrapping it up
1: uh yeah because honestly like I say I I don't have a plan when I first I have an idea And if I can get to that idea, sometimes I scrap ideas. Sometimes I don't. Uh, But like, how will I see this ending? And to me, as I'm writing it, it comes out like you're watching a movie. It's like you're finding out yourself for the first time how this is all going on. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, it's over. Like, oh, my God, that was so good. And you're like, oh, oh, wow. So there's a lot of times I'll write something and I'll go back and I'll reread it. I'm like, wow, I'm better than I thought.
2: (laughs) So, do you want to kind of give our re- our readers, our readers and listeners, yeah, a brief synopsis of what this book is about and what they can expect?
1: Absolutely. So, this is what I would call a like a, a science fiction thriller. Uh, it is a story about the U.S. military trying to shy away from uh, conventional means of weapons because, you know, one one rocket costs like $2 million and it's a one-time use. So they're looking to try to construct more efficient weaponry. So they come up with the idea of using biological monsters. And one of the first thoughts they have is creating some sort of killer whale, great white shark hybrid. Unfortunately to have it be effective, they need to be able to train it to do what they want. So they search out the world's most foremost expert in animal behavior and like killer whale training Uh, they entice him to come to an Island where he starts having success, but a megalomaniac decides that he's the real reason that this monster's truly a monster, not this guy training it. So before too long, this crazy guy decides to unleash the monster upon the world where, and the trainer, uh, who has since met someone on this Island, uh, he and this his love interest decide to go and try to save the world by stopping this monster that they never had a chance to really train in the first place. Love
2: it. Yeah. It was such a good book, and I will say the Morgan's dolphins that she has. I love that they were named <laughs> after the Powerpuff Girls. Yes.
1: <laughs> that that was an interesting. Like I was sitting there, I was like, I, I want to name them after a famous trio, and I was thinking, it was like, Lar- Larry, Moe Curly, and I'm like, No, no, no. So I like I literally was on my computer, I was like. Famous trios and that one popped up. I was like, that's it. That's it right there.
2: (laughs) It was perfect. I loved it. Yeah. (laughs) We were actually talking about that earlier today. (laughs) I just felt like the book had so many different aspects that for someone that particularly maybe doesn't read, you know, the animal type thrillers could be drawn Mm -hmm. into it. Because, you know, like we said at the beginning, it's not the typical genre we read, but Um, I really enjoyed it. I told Brielle, I was like, it really brought me back to my childhood and all those old, scary type movies that you would watch with that kind of stuff. And it was almost nostalgic in a way.
1: Oh, I appreciate that.
0: (laughs) No, I was going to say that it had the sci-fi aspect. It had some horror. It had some romance. It had, like, the uh, comedy part. So you just had, like, a whole bunch of different, like, aspects in one book. And it just, like Kate said, like, it could reach... Like
1: a variety of of readers. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think of it that way. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I, I I will say it, it has interested me how the the effect that this book has had. Uh, when I wrote my first children's novel, I remember like initially like going on to Amazon and and like Goodreads. I'm like oh, I have two reviews, and like I would go to like book shows and t- selling children's literature is extremely difficult. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wrote this one and like within a month I'm looking, I, I checked Amazon. and I was like, Oh my God, I have 37 reviews already. And then and, and like seeing where these things are coming from and complete strangers who are like, Oh my God, I loved it. My favorite was I actually have uh, one review on Amazon and I'm, I'll, I'm vain enough to admit that I checked to see what they say. Um, <laughs> a guy in Germany um, reviewed it. And I just, I was like, Oh, I'm intrigued. So I clicked the, the translate button and the translation, it was, something was off in the translation, but I just loved it, and it was just, like, the headline was, wonderful, this trash, and I was like, yeah. yes, that seems appropriate. <laughs> That's so
2: funny.
0: Well, we can relate to that, because, like, we regularly stalk, like, our our anchor um, listens, oh, yeah. and, like, our, our reviews on, like, Apple and Spotify, so we, we get it, it's fine. <laughs>
1: What what you're supposed to do?
0: Yeah, right. You you know you needed that ego that ego boost sometimes. (laughs) Well, you know, and you don't know what to make
2: better if you don't look at people's feedback. So yeah,
1: very true. That's that's exactly exactly exactly. why I've been doing it. That's why. Yeah, (laughs)
2: that's the reason. (laughs) So, can you tell us? Are you currently working on anything else right now?
1: I I do have in plans. Like I said, I'm. I've set up and originally planned this series to be a trilogy. So I do have to go. And if you read the book to you, you can see where that was headed. I'm going to initiate that uh, trilogy. However, prior to that, my brother was writing a book called uh, Karkadon, which is essentially, I don't know if you saw the Suicide Squad movie with John Cena recently, but there was like a, a walking talking shark. Shark, park.
0: yeah. Uh-huh.
1: Um, My brother's book series is basically sort of written with a character similar to that. So we're crossing over our two book series as well. I currently actually have that open in another window on this computer. I'm on, and then um, (laughs) I have plans. I wanted to do, uh, I was inspired by, um, Oh geez. What was that? i I read a book called fragment uh, that kind of inspired me. And um, the process of like, Oh, and I also read another book called uh, the great zoo of China by, Something Riley, I forget his name, but the idea, the, the premise I have is, uh, I wanted to write a book series that was kind of like a, a reality TV f- show gone wrong, which was like, hey, we weren't planning to catch this on uh, like network television, but we have it, and the ratings are amazing, so we're going to keep going with it. So, like those. Oh, yeah. Basic yeah, ideas. that's
0: interesting. Yeah. So, um, to kind of wrap it up, we want to know if you could spend the day with any author who would you choose
2: dead or alive
1: either one. ooh, ooh that's good that's a real good one I <laughs> to one of the book workshops or one of the workshops i went to yesterday for professional development was just sitting down for an hour and talking about your favorite books to people and we we did this thing of like what are your like you know you're you're trapped on an island and you can only take five books with you what are you taking and i was like ooh. Ooh, so this ranks up there with that. Um,
0: that is a, that's a good question.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, I'm torn. And there are two that are really out of left field for me that don't even have anything that seems that it, like accomplishes anything I write about because I write about what I write about. So I really don't know if I would sit down and compare notes with somebody that writes the same thing I do, if that makes sense. yeah, I would, I look at, um, there's a, a fantasy sci fi writer by the name of Brandon Sanderson. Um, oh I've read a lot. Of-
2: <laughs> he wrote The Wheel of Time. Yes,
1: yes. Yeah, w-
0: w- that, is, that is in our TBR Cup.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he has written so many great novels. I uh, He writes a lot of young adult novels, too, I talk to my students about. I love reading his stories. Um, and also, I'm a big fan of Ernest Klein, who wrote uh, Ready Player One. Oh, yeah. um, okay. He actually has another book out that is actually, in my opinion, better than Ready Player One called Armada, but it's the same premise. as like, Hey, video games are real. Yay. But uh, like the two of them, the way their creativity seeps through into what they write and how they can be so passionate about so many things at once, that would be something I'd love to sit down and talk to somebody about.
2: Let me tell you a quick story about the wheel of time books. (laughs) So somebody at work, you know, I talk about books at work constantly And a girl at work was like, oh, you read a lot of fantasy, world building type books. You would really like these. So I bought the whole set thinking I'm going to start these books and I'm going to read them. And that did not happen because I had 100 other books on my TBR. (laughs) And I'm I'm a surgical assist. So one of the surgeons I work with knows that I love to read. And for Christmas, he actually gave me the entire original collection that he's had since residency back in the 90s when they first came out. And they're signed three of them are signed by Sanderson. And I was have never been so excited about something I've received in my whole life. (laughs) I
1: I find my TBR list to be such a challenge. Like when I if I have a really extensive list, one of two things will always happen. I'll start reading one book and be so excited that I have this other book that's next in queue that I don't pay attention to the book I'm currently reading because I just want to get to that next book. Or I'll have a situation where I'll finish a book and then you just get this overwhelming like feeling of, oh, crap, where do I go from here? Because you look at your TBR list and it's just like, it's so huge. If someone just handed me a book, it's so much easier than me having to decide what to do.
2: A hundred percent. And that was Brielle and I. So what we did, and maybe you want to do this, it helped us a lot because my TBR currently is sitting at 140 physical books. <laughs> Um, So what we did was I printed, I typed up all the names of the books we had, cut them up into little pieces of paper and put them in a jar because I had that same feeling, like overwhelmed, like I have so many books I want to read. So now I just shake up the jar. Whatever piece of paper I pick out is what I read. Then that way you don't feel so overwhelmed. It works for us. Yeah, but- it does.
1: <laughs> I, I like that. I like that. Plus now that idea of the next booking queue might not be the next book in queue. So yeah, I have, I have to focus on what I'm reading. I like that.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, we want to thank you again for being here with us and just tell you that we really loved the book. And we hope that our readers from listening to you kind of talk about some of your inspiration and stuff will love it and check it out just like we did. Yes, thank you so much.
0: This was awesome. Thanks for your time. And I hope that you keep putting out these books and we definitely
2: will keep reading them.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for your time and taking the opportunity go outside your comfort zone and read something you normally wouldn't read. I appreciate that very much.
2: That wraps up episode 16. As always, if you liked what you heard, give us a rating on whatever podcast outlet you listen to and share with your friends. Check us out on Instagram at our underscore weekends underscore booked. Again, I'm Kate. And I'm Brielle. Until next time.